If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the California Underground. Your host, Phil. Today, I have a guest, Jenny Ray LaRue. Did I say that correctly? You nailed it. Well done. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure I said that correctly. You are a Republican candidate for governor here in California, and you are, just to clarify everybody watching or listening, you are on the ballot for the recall because there is this whole controversy about who was and who was not on the ballot for the recall this last week. Absolutely. I got my paperwork complete and in on time. How about that? So yes, I did. Uh, I did complete all the requirements and I will be on the ballot uh, on the mail-in ballot that comes out on August 16th and on the official ballot on September 14th in office. Excellent. So uh, just to get things started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, what inspired you to hop into the race, uh, anything like that, just to get, get an introduction. Well, as with many things, it's multi-layered, but I'll just give first my biographical background and then a little bit of the background of how I got involved. I'm a businesswoman. I've been running businesses for 20 years. I started my career with Bain & Company as a consultant, and then I moved to build two businesses with other people, one in energy and one in payments. And then nine years ago, I purchased my own tech company. It was small at the time, but I've grown it to a global leader in its field. And so my focus, my entire adult life has been on and cultivating results in the private sector. What I recognized over the course of the last year is that California actually doesn't care about results. We have politicians that care a lot more about promises than they do about problem solving. And so I will walk through today some of those policies and and issues and the root causes that I found. But basically, I think what sums it up best is that a few weeks ago, I stayed in someone's home. They were feeding us dinner. We were in the kitchen and there was a sign that said, moms do better research than the FBI. I'm a mom of three kids and I live on a ranch with my kids just outside of Redding, California. Uh, My husband is the primary caretaker of our ranch. And last year when Gavin Newsom some closed schools. I thought there has to be another way. My kids were in a, and are still in a Spanish immersion public charter school. And what they recognized uh, from the administration of the school immediately is that when you have parents that are deemed essential workers and kids with nowhere to go for school, you have five, six, and seven-year-olds left home alone. And it was one of the first times that I recognized, just slap in the face, recognized that our state government is not in service to the people of the state. They're in service to themselves. And so I, it broke my heart to see what was happening in our state. It made me start to look into more of what was happening, um, what kind of budget issues we have. And let me tell you, it's a nightmare. California overspends and underdelivers, basically in contrast to almost every other state in the country. And uh, these problems, that we have in California are fixable. That was what really got me motivated to uh, think about running for office eventually uh, and ultimately to decide to run for governor now is that these are fixable problems for a person who will identify them, who will stay true to what the actual issues are, which is that we have lost our ability to freely build a future in California and we need to be able to live, work and breathe again. Great. Uh, so I going over your website and your policies, you might have, and I've been reading a lot of candidates' websites, um, 
you might have one of the the most comprehensive uh, issues page that really goes in depth onto a lot of things. Uh, what are just like if you had to give like a thirty second? And I know that's probably really hard. You have to give like a thirty second like elevator pitch of like. These are the things we need to do to fix California that are really the root problems. What would those be? Yeah, absolutely. I've done the data and the research on this, so I can answer it in 30 seconds. And it goes back to the same things, live, work, and breathe. For live, we need enough housing so that our housing remains affordable. We need a public safety system that is supported and rational, common sense. And we need an educational system that serves the workforce of the future, engineering that social engineering. We need a work culture that supports businesses with lower fees, taxes, and regulations and recognize that we compete for businesses with other states. And finally, we need shared services and shared resources like water, power, and fire to be managed and not to be renamed as issues that are unsolvable. Things like climate change and drought are unhelpful in actually acknowledging that we as the state have something that we can and must do to manage those resources. So you touch upon water, and I think that's always an interesting topic for California, is that a lot of people just kind of go, well, we need more water. How do we get more water? Uh, I'm down here in San Diego, and we have uh, one desalination plant. And mm-hmm. I remember reading an article that we our desalination plant was doing so well. It was producing so much water, and this was back during Governor Jerry Brown. Uh, that they actually told them to start dumping it back into the ocean because they're like, we actually, we don't need that much water Um, because the government had only contracted for a certain amount of water from the desalination plant. And they're like, we can't go over whatever that is. Now we're facing like record droughts. The reservoirs are fully are are depleting by the day. Um, If you want to elaborate on sort of some stuff that people don't really think about when it comes to water solutions that may be like right in front of us and we're not really you know especially Newsom and his administration they're not doing anything to take care of water oh I think that's unfair they're taking pictures at empty lakes so I I would count them as doing something Uh, it's nothing productive nothing helpful and it doesn't help anyone of the water users but they are doing something Uh, no I mean we really have to be fair about contrasting what he's doing which is nothing uh, nothing and and with what we actually need with water in our state and here's what we need we need a water plan that extends beyond one year right now we manage our water in a one-year basis and anyone who's ever been in management of any organization organization would tell you, you cannot manage organizations on a one-year cycle or you run them into the ground. You have to have a long-term focus of the organization. And so uh, we need a five-year water plan. And I'll give you an example. Two years ago, Phil, our our water, which may be the year that you're talking about that the water was getting dumped back into the ocean, we had a wet year. We had more than enough water coming off of our snowpack and into our reservoirs. We actually had to dump water that year. That's reasonable. That, That happens. But we ended up with full reservoirs at the end of that year. Um, Those water systems are meant to deliver water for around five years to our state. And so you and I can do math. So, you know, in two years, we should be at no less than around 65% because there's some incremental gain every year, right? 20% in the first year, we gain a little bit back, 20% in the second year. Uh, Many of our reservoirs are at 18% 
32% right now. Um, and so where is the water going? Well, a lot of people think it's going to almonds. Here's another one of the crazy narratives that Newsom does not spend time dispelling. Um, and farmers. Farmers have the least incentive to waste water out of any of us because they are using it to produce a good. Mm -hmm. And so our farmers are actually our most economical water users. Um, but farmers account for 40% of water usage in the state, people for 10 and 50% goes to the Pacific Ocean through the Delta. And so what we are not doing that we should be is we should be turning on the pumps in the Delta that are there and built to recapture the water that has flowed through for environmental purposes into the reservoir and then therefore be distributed back. We need to build more storage. The last time we completed a major storage project in California was 42 years ago. I was appalled when I found that out. Um, and we do need to add desalination, but desalination is actually our most expensive form of water. It costs about $2,400 an acre foot for desalinization uh, and regular acre foot prices should be around $300 or less. And so storage is actually our best, most economical, most long-term solution, but we also need to stop dumping water out into the ocean just for environmental purposes. Um, we need to acknowledge actually what needs to be done. When you talk about the Delta pumps, is that the uh, famous Delta smelt or whatever they, that they <laughs> yeah, are always going on about? Yeah, the, the smelter most likely extinct. Um, they haven't captured any smelt in the last three trawling surveys that went out. Um, and, and extinction isn't great, but the smelt actually do have relatives. Um, the smelt is in a singular species. Um, and so the, the smelt is not extinct um, only because of the pumps, which is the craziest thesis out there. Um, the water quality in the Delta is very poor. There is sewage that's dumped into the Delta. Um, there are fertilizers. Most fertilizer usage is actually um, home fertilizer usage that goes into our waterways in California. And those economic those uh, economic and ecological impacts have not been factored in when we thought about the smelt. So um, the, the old process, which was dump water out into the ocean, isn't working with our new ecological ecosystem. So I'm pro endangered species. I think we should save them. I just think that we should have reasonable measured processes to make sure that our farmers that have paid for water and are feeding America also can get the water that they need. I forget who I was listening to and uh, they were trying to explain it. I think it was a bunch of comedians were talking about the Delta. They were joking around like the the smelt have trouble swimming. So that's why we had to do it. And someone made a joke about like a fish that pretty low on the Darwin sort of scale. <laughs> in so terms true. Of survival. So like something, something's going to get that Delta smelt regardless of whether we pump out water. Um, yeah. We're so just, we're just to, college, to a new predator, uh, right? Stockton, actually. Yeah, exactly. It, it's whether it's going to be the pumps or I, I don't know, whatever gets Delta smelt, but uh, fish that can't swim. Island of misfit toys. You're like a boat that doesn't float. Um, so uh, like I say, I, I went to college up in Stockton. I was actually just up there visiting last week. So um, talking a lot about the Delta and farmers um, and, and that whole Central Valley. I, I, you know, it's interesting because I think people forget California is not, I'm from New Jersey originally. People forget that California is not Venice beach, San Diego, mm -hmm. golden gate bridge. That's it. Like it's, there's a lot of farmland. There's a lot of desert. 
what I call the state of Jefferson all the way up north. Um, and I, I think our farmers are really put to the test. And I think that there's a possibility that they're doing well as they are, despite what the, the rules and regulations are. But I think they could probably thrive even more if a lot of these issues were kind of taken off their back. Um, do you do you agree with that, or um, because we are so we are sort of like the breadbasket of America? We are absolutely the breadbasket of America. Um, you know, here's here's the issue: we have career politicians that are running the state. There's no business people that are in, you know, we have three of them in our legislature and God bless them seriously, but, but we have career politicians and here's what they know. Votes are what get you elected, not the businesses in the state. And what's unfortunate about that is that we have a very short term management process going back to what I was talking about before people manage to votes and not to legacy. And so our farmers are a hundred percent under attack and that many of them cannot make ends meet. I mean, these are not wealthy farmers that are heading off to Mexico on private jets. These are people who are working to feed America because that's what they do. It's what they love. It's what they believe is important and um, just good salt of the earth people. Right. And, uh, and so, Mm -hmm. but they don't represent a large block of votes in our state. And, um, and so, yeah, they represent about 9% of our GDP. It's it's actually a very substantial portion of our revenue in the state, but um, under 1% of the vote. And um, that we see that reflected in the way that they're mistreated in our state that needs to change, but better management thinks about the big picture, which is that those farmers also create, um, they create work, they create products and value um, and they create, you know, ecosystems that, distribute our water that replenish our aquifers when we drip water onto trees it actually goes somewhere it doesn't just get sucked up into the trees it goes down also into our water tables and so um, there's a, a much bigger picture that we have to keep in mind here and and um, you know having people in Sacramento that have never run anything other than a government officer at campaign doesn't get us there is there any other uh group of voters that, I mean, for 1% of the voters to produce 9% of the GDP is a a big deal. Is there any other industry or any sort of group that has that such a big return on investment as a voter? Well, we do in our, uh, you know, we, we have a small number of manufacturers in the state. I don't have those exact numbers, but it's a good question. I should look at that. Um, and we do have, you know, the same with our services industry, but we have a very, very large services industry in the state. So it's not quite that stark. Um, it's probably more balanced mm-hmm. in terms of the size. Uh, but the, the biggest advantage for any state, any country is diversity in the economy, uh, having a, you know, a single form of something that you're overly dependent on creates boom and bust cycles. And having diversity means that when ag is having a rough year, services are compensating for it. And when services are having a rough year, manufacturing is compensating for it. And, 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 you know, kind of around and around it goes. So what we need more than any uh, of those adequate representations uh, singularly is that we need to honor all of them. So you just finished a event with all, several other candidates. I don't know exactly who the other, they was, it was Doug Ossie. It was Anthony Tremino, Sarah Stevens. I might be missing another person. There was somebody sitting next to you. I was watching a live a little yeah. bit of it. 
uh, while I was finishing dinner. Who was the guy next to you? Oh, you know, one of the rules in politics is you never say any of the other candidates' names, but I'll tell you just because you're being nice. Uh, Sam Gallucci was next to me. Oh, okay. Then I, I, I forgive you. Um, how did it go? How, what were your thoughts and the candidate forum? Yeah, I love candidate forums in general. I've found that the other candidates are incredibly respectful. We come from different backgrounds, uh, some from politics, some from non-operating backgrounds. And so my focus in all of the events is to work to bring hope to people that we have solutions to the problems that we face in California. I think that's what makes this election winnable is not just a tangible enemy that did something really unsavory by locking down the state, but keeping his own family comfortable and, uh, you know, closing restaurants and going out to the French laundry. So the things that Gavin Newsom represents in our state is a great galvanizing tool, but ultimately what we need to get this recall done and what we need to build the future of California are solutions. Uh, And so, you know, when I walk into any event, I have a game plan for what I want to present, for how I want to present it. I want to present it with honor for the other candidates that are there. Uh, it's the, the talent that we need right now is to present contrast without ripping someone else to shreds. And I think we're looking for that kind of leader. We're hungry for that kind of leader that can actually do that well. So uh, I was excited about the event. I loved it. And I thought it went really well. So being out trail, um, you're out, you're speaking to people. It's no secret that Republicans and conservatives are at a huge disadvantage uh, voter wise here in the state. Are you connecting with a lot of independents and Democrats who are also getting frustrated with what it is and sort of these kitchen table politics issues? That's what I call them, kitchen table politics issues of like healthcare, schooling, being able to afford a home. Um, Are you connecting with a lot of those voters? Are they out there? Are they speaking with you being like, you know, I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I, but you know, I never thought about a Republican candidate before. Yeah, I uh, am 50% in the party and 50% outside, which is exactly what you need to be to win the votes that we need in the state. And I, one of the things that I think is really important to note is that the Republican Party in California before has had a hypothesis that you should pick the most watered down candidate to appeal to the masses. And what that has done is actually not galvanize support because somebody doesn't stand for anything and then nobody wants to get behind them. So we haven't had people making phone calls and door knocking and, and, you know, walking neighborhoods. Um, So tomorrow night I'm meeting with a very large group of people in uh, the city of Tustin in Orange County, Um, all Hispanics and all um, actually there may be two that are not registered Democrats Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we need to be doing in the state right now is reaching outside of party lines and uh, saying, if you're not enjoying the current state of the Democratic Party, would you consider a better future in California if someone else can build it for you? And uh, so my job is to demonstrate how I've done that before how I'm a person of my word. Um, You know, for example, I don't cancel events. So last night I had a really big opportunity come up and I had an event that I'd already committed to and I went to the one that I'd already committed to. It was the right thing to do. It's the way that you want somebody to lead the state is is, um, through the commitment of their word. And so uh, we need to be able to demonstrate that uh, outside of the party because a lot of people are 
exhausted by what feels like righteous, sanctimonious Republican rhetoric instead of truthful problem solving for the good of other people. And so one of the things I believe about the Republican Party is that we have the answers and the solutions. One of the things I think we need is a great messenger for those. Um, so as, let's say we're, we fast forward. Jenny is governor of California. Yes. Let's, let's fast forward to, you know, your governor after the recall day one. Um, what's the number one policy issue you want to work on? And two, how do you get it accomplished with a government in Sacramento that is so deeply entrenched, probably against everything that you stand for? Well, here's the thing. We actually agree on some things, which is that California is not great today. Uh, that's where we have to start. But mm-hmm. but how we get there and what we need to do for the future, we will not necessarily agree on. However, I do, I've worked with people like this my entire life. I've been in almost every situation I've ever been in in my life. Somebody doesn't agree with me. And uh, so I relish the opportunity to engage in healthy conflict with people around these really important conversations we have. Let me go to your first question, which was, what do I do my first day in office? Um, There are a few executive orders that Gavin Newsom signed that need to be undone. That's one of the purposes of executive orders is to undo your predecessor's executive orders. One of them is the statewide uh, state of emergency. If we do not have hospitals that are full, over full and without capacity to take new people into their ICUs, we do not have a state of emergency in the state of California. So we would, I would revoke that, um, that the license to hold that state of emergency. Um, if we do, then I would keep it, but I would focus on really allocating the right resources, not mandating lockdowns, which is what his primary tactic has been. Uh, the second thing that I would do is pass a philosophical exemption, probably by executive order, um, to enable people to attend school without vaccines. Um, I, I'm pro-vaccine. I'm vaccinated personally. I believe in the, the vaccine and vaccine technology, but I believe more fundamentally in the right to choose what you put in your and your children's bodies. And um, people are citing that as one of the reasons they are leaving our state. Uh, we need people in California. We need them to feel valued and welcomed here with the diverse perspectives that they carry. Um, And so having a philosophical exemption for vaccines gives us the ability to do that. Uh, The third thing that we need to do is pass liability limitations for businesses, schools, and churches related to COVID. Uh, What that means is that you and I are responsible for getting COVID. If we go out to a bar and we, you know, meet with somebody in a closed area and we know exactly now how we get COVID, we do it in a closed area by breathing upon one another or coughing on one another. Um, That responsibility should not be policing businesses or churches or other places to now manage us now that we understand how the pandemic spreads. Um, And so limiting liability just means that I can't go to a bar with you, have a drink, go get COVID and then sue the bar. Um, That just enables us to keep responsibility where responsibility belongs. Um, And then the the final and uh, fourth thing that I would begin to look at is our business culture in California, although I wouldn't get that done on my first day. When somebody says day one in office, what they're really saying is what executive orders do you do on day one in office? Um, Mm -hmm. But, but, um, our business culture, our value for businesses is broken. So I would put out my first business celebration post on my first day in office, um, which 
the entire time that I am in office, I will be putting out posts celebrating businesses in the state of California, telling people what businesses are founding here, building here, growing here. Um, That's part of the governor's job is to be the messenger for hope for the state. And so my first day in office, I would issue my first one of those. So um, I guess you you said you worked with um, some difficult people and know how to get through to them. Um, I mean, it, it's, I didn't say I mean, that, not, but, but, but I will, I, I'll clarify if you'd like for me to, I said, I've learned to work. Yeah. With I was them. just going to, yeah. you've learned to work with people. Um, I mean, it's, it's no, it's definitely not going to be a surprise that if a Republican governor gets into office, if you get into office, uh, Democrats are basically just, probably just going to shut you out on a lot of things to make you look like a failure. Um, so that when 2022 comes, they can say, Hey, look at this Republican governor who didn't do anything. So time to put that Democrat back in, uh, what, what's a game plan for that? And I, you know, I press all candidates on this cause this is definitely a huge question. It's a mind, it's going to be a minefield for any Republican candidate if they get into the governor's mansion. Yeah. Well, uh, point number one, getting something done with the legislature is not and should not be the primary goal of the governor. Doing the right things should be the primary goal. And so some governors measure themselves by activity instead of by progress. And that will not be the measurement of my administration. Uh, so the first thing that you need to recognize is that I believe that um, it, I believe in our democratic process. I believe in the checks and balances. And I will not sign laws that I do not believe I can put my name on and go home at night and look at my kids in the eye and say, I put my name on that law. Um, I won't do it for political expediency and I won't trade my name for that reason. Um, so then the real question becomes not how do you not get things done, which is by vetoing, um, uh, you know, but it's really by using the five tools of the governor. So I want to walk through those just super quickly. The first one is the message that you carry. Uh, and so I've mentioned the message so far, but doing town halls and podcasts like this one, uh, where there's open comment on them is one of the ways that you have to open yourself up to actual access from the public. Um, Doing surveys on those conversations and enabling people to not just have a singular vote in a singular election, but allowing them to participate in the democratic process more fully will help us uh, inform and demonstrate to the legislators that the people have spoken beyond just in an election. Uh, so, So the message is really important. And Ronald Reagan actually did this really well. He just went around the legislature And he told the people, look at what your legislature is doing. So in the same way that they'll say, look at what your governor is not doing, I'll say, look at what your legislature is doing. Do you like this? Is this what you're looking for? Um, And and we'll have some combat on the airwaves, and that's okay. Uh, The second thing that a governor can do is budget. So the governor's budget is actually initiated from the governor's office. Um, The departments of the state don't fund until that budget is passed. Um, And so what we want is a check and balance on the budget. We do not want two groups that are both funded primarily by unions to be led 
mm-hmm. into a budget process that just is colluding because it leads to corruption and waste and mismanagement. So again, we need a balance in that. I need to propose a budget that I know that they won't pass um, so that we can get closer to a budget that I think we actually will have inside the state. So budget negotiations are a key one. I will have some key appointments. I'll have my staff. Um, and I actually, at the beginning of my campaign, reached out to the legislators and I said, I look forward to working with you when I become the governor of California. It was probably a little bit non-traditional to do that, but I, I believe in, um, in you know, keeping an open door and uh, opening up the conversation. So uh, if they want to yell at me, that's fine. I'd rather them do it in person than, uh, than in the public eye. Um, I have executive orders, as I've also mentioned. Um, and then the final thing that I think is not often enough used is uh, the administrative justice department. So uh, we don't file lawsuits that we should on behalf of the people of California. In fact, um, the, the legal system has been used to protect Gavin Newsom from the people of California, which is a complete mismanagement and, and a constitutional violation. Um, so what we need is for an example, um, when the feds don't turn on their Delta pump, we need somebody to sue for that on behalf mm-hmm. of the people of California. So um, so there are lots of things, lots of tools out of the five tools. I've got lots that I can use uh, for the state of California to get many things done. Um, but the ultimate thing that I just want you to know is that my job is to get the right things done, not just to get things done. And so my focus will not be on activity. It will be on progress. Okay. So a uh, couple more questions and I'll let you go because I know you're very busy. Uh, I don't want to take a time. We're going to fast forward again. This time we're going to fast forward to August of 2022. Yeah. Uh, You're campaigning. What's your, what's your shining accomplishment? Cause you only have like 14 months to get something done. What's your shining accomplishment that you can go to voters in 2022 and say, this is what I did. This is why you should put me back into office. Um, One policy, one, one, one thing that you accomplished that will, you think will sway voters and show uh, you're worth another chance, uh, another four years? No policy, just results. I'll be able to show that people are moving into and building businesses in the state of California again. That's the only thing that matters because without that, we are Mm -hmm. completely robbing our state of the core value generators that are here. So I will be able to go to them and I will say, we reverse the population decline, we reverse the business exodus. And the how of how we did that, voters may or may not care about. You know, voters care about a few things, really, only. Um, And it's, how is their life? If their life is better and people are moving back into the state, then that's really all that voters need to know. And so that's my job. My job is to serve the people of California to create the state that we want to live in and build the future in. And we'll see it by the numbers, whether people are coming back or not. Um, Final question. Uh, You're a mother. Um, and I've been saying that this whole time that really the, I feel like the grassroots revolution has been started and really accomplished by what I like to call BAMs, which is badass moms, um, up and down the state. Uh, would you, would you agree with that? That you think it's, it's moms are, are really kind of taking to the, the front lines of this revolution in terms of. protecting your children uh, in school from mass, from COVID, from all this stuff. Um, Do you feel like that galvanized a lot of moms to get into politics and start changing things? 
massively. Women are winning in California and across the country uh, because there is this momentum around recognizing that we need clear heads and pure hearts in government. And our focus for the women is to, to just like, you mess with my kids and you mess with me, right? So overall, what we're seeing in the state of California isn't just women getting involved. It's women getting involved for the first time. Women that never voted getting involved in walking neighborhoods, women who never ran for office, stepping up and running campaigns. And so you're exactly right. That is a sleeping giant in the state of California that has been woken up um, because, you know, you mess with me, which the state of California, I'm a business owner. They've messed with me every single year since I've lived here. And I just consider it a part of the price of doing business in California. Uh, but you mess with my kids and you better just, you know, you better sit down. Um, I, I've, I've said a few times, Gavin Newsom better get out of my office because when he messes with my kids, it's, it's game over. Yeah, I think that was a personally, I was talking to somebody else who is also uh, another BAM. Um, and I think we both agreed that strategically, I don't I don't think Newsom thought this through when they moved the uh, recall up, because now you're looking at it's going to fall right around the mail in ballots are going to go out. School's going to come back. Or not. are going to have to go back to school. Yeah, or, or they're not going to go back to school, mm-hmm. or they're going to have to go back to school limited or in mass or, or something. And it's hot and it's, you know, their kids are, are not happy. Like, I think he might have screwed up by trying to speed it up. And that may just be his, his downfall. But that's just a hypothesis I have. I think that Newsom has demonstrated that his primary focus is himself and the people of California have seen that. I think that our job now is to demonstrate that both he is absolutely not interested in the future of our state. We need to get him out of office because we believe that it's hopeless to leave him in. And then we need to have a hope for a better future. And for some people that quite frankly will look different. There will be some people who believe that there's one candidate that can give them that and other people that will believe that there's another candidate that can give them that. The recall is a unique opportunity to say, bring your friends who are hardcore Democrats. I mean, I, one of my funders is a progressive Democrat. And they said, even I hate Gavin Newsom. <laughs> and you know, that, that's the kind of material support that changes the future. So it's the BAMs that are out there, you know, kicking butt, taking names, organizing, Facebook grouping, squatting, right, getting stuff done. Uh, but it's also it's also the people of California from all parties that say we can't, we might not agree on everything, but we do agree on this one thing. And Gavin Newsom needs to get out of office. The sooner the better, right? Good riddance, as far as I'm concerned. Just, it, he, he moved his own election up. That just gives us fewer time with him in office. And I think that's good for all of us. That's a good point. What, what do you think? Final question. What do you think is his uh, greatest sin that Gavin Newsom's committed since he's been governor? Oh, it's so I know it's hard to so narrow it down to like one thing. But what's what do you think is the greatest sin he, he did that that makes him not a great governor? Newsom exempted himself from his own rules. And 
the reason it's hard to pick one instance is that there were a few instances where he demonstrated that. But the issues that face Californians, he does not relate to because he has gone above and outside the system. And you've seen just with the rigging of the system in the election, you've seen him serve himself over the last year instead of the people of California. Um, I would consider his greatest violation of the constitution, the extension of the state of emergency based on false grounds, uh, based on the grounds that we had a pandemic, which he defined as the existence of COVID cases in our state. And that was an unreasonable definition for what constitutes a state of emergency. Um, so you know, while I believed in the first state of emergency and at that point was in support of his actions, he over time completely violated his constitutional powers by exempting himself from the very things that he was asking others to do with no grounded basis. It's a good answer. Um, Thank you for coming on. Uh, where can people find more about you, support you, donate, um, Fantastic. all that stuff? Yeah. So you can find out more about me, JennyRayCA.com. I'm also on all the channels. I'm on Twitch, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, even on TikTok, although there is no dancing on my channel. I'm sorry to let everybody know. Uh, but there are great stories and great information from around the state of California. We are seeing and meeting people that are fired up about this election. And that's really exciting for everyone to get to be a part of. Uh, and you can also just write us hello at JennyRayCA.com. And I'll just spell that in case you guys are interested. It's J-E-N-N-Y-R-A-E, my name you can see on the screen here. Um, but if you're just listening, J-E-N-N-Y-R-A-E-C-A.com. Thanks again Great. for having me on. Oh, thank you. So I'm sure we could have talked way longer and nerded out about a bunch of other things, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're very busy. So thank you again for coming on, Jenny. Uh, best of luck out on the campaign trip. Thank you. Let's have a conversation in my first 60 days in office when we're talking about, uh, you know, pulling back the hood of, of what's going on in California and and really deeply, uh, you know, what's wrong and what we can do to fix it. The main thing I just want people to leave with tonight is there's hope for the future. The, what we are living under is not a necessary evil in California and we can do better. That's what we need to remember as a state and as our voters. Excellent. Well, I'll hold you to it. I'll even fly to Sacramento to do the podcast in your office. You better look forward to it. All right. Thanks a lot, Jenny. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 